How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love, my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. You can be seated. And we're going to dismiss our kids to Children's Church. Uh, something we have for kids every, uh, most every week, four years old up to third grade. They're going to be coming back when uh, the sermon is over. Sorry. Like I said, Ryan's been, um, been a friend of, of ours for quite a while, um, been involved with, uh, with our congregation, was ordained here. As a, as a minister, has uh, preached and done youth work for a lot of years, and um, but he brings a little bit uh, different experience to us today, and he's going to tell a bit of story, a bit of um, testimony about God's goodness, God with us in life and death. And before he does that, I don't know if you were going to pray, but I'm going to pray for you. Go for it. Okay. All right. God, I pray that you would uh, continue to um, be with us in, in ways that are, are obvious, um, that your spirit would do a work in Ryan um, and in us as we, um, as we listen, as we, um, as we need to hear uh, what you have to say to us today. And, and the things that have been prepared are, are not by accident on, um, on this day that celebrates life um, in many different forms. Um, we want to celebrate you, the life giver, and even in the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear because you're with us. So guide us in, um, in these next few minutes, and, and we're thankful for the opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, thank you all for being here this morning. Uh, I want to thank you guys for allowing me to come and to speak with you guys uh, I know it really wasn't your choice, probably, uh, but I did talk to Jim about a month ago, and I talked to him. I said, hey, um, just curious, what's next year look like for you? What's next January look like for you? And he told me about the series that you guys are going through with God with us. And he's like, kind of, why, why are you wondering? I said, well, I feel like I have an open Sunday on January 20, and I said, I if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to come and, and talk. And I told him kind of what I was thinking, and he goes, I think that would work out. So we prayed about it, and we kind of went forward with this. And so that's why you guys are stuck with me this week, but I'm sure Jim will be back next week, right? Unless you're here. Unless I'm here. <laughs> Jim will be here next week. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Ryan Van Persum. Uh, I grew up in Minnesota. Moved down here to meet my wife, Jamie. <laughs> Not really, but I mean, I did in, in the long run. Uh, so I worked at KOAM TV for a while. Uh, that's where I met Jamie. Uh, of course, she grew up here. and uh, So Jerry and Sherry are my parents-in-law, right? So um, anyway, and I've really enjoyed coming here and getting to know you guys. I've helped out with some VBSs here before. Um, and so I really appreciate you guys allowing me to spend this day with you guys today. Because this day 
is a huge day for my family and myself. This is a huge, huge day that we, every single year, we dread, but we also praise God for it. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit of background. Um, and really, it started a little over nine years ago. Uh, on January 6, 2010, uh, my wife and I, we were blessed with our second little girl. Her name is Summer Lydia. She was five pounds, nine ounces, and as beautiful as you can imagine. She was itty-bitty, um, but she was born, we, we were living in Bethany, Missouri at the time, so she was born in the Kansas City area, and um, three days after she was born, we, we were getting discharged from the hospital, and as we did that, uh, we realized it was a cold, windy day. Imagine cold and windy if you can imagine that, right? Kind of... Anybody understand that? Yeah, so it was cold and windy, and our little baby Summer was living up to her name. She did not like the cold and the wind. And since she was so small, what we had to do is we got discharged from the hospital, and we went straight to Target to get preemie-sized clothing because she was so small, and we needed a little bit more to get us by until she grew. Well, as we got into the parking lot at Target, Uh, We parked the car, and she was crying. She was not happy. And so I had a big winter jacket, and I got out, and I went, and I grabbed her out of her car seat, and I tucked her in, yeah, right against my chest, as close as I could, and I shielded her from the winter wind and the cold, and I took her into Target. And, of course, I'm a proud papa. I I was going down these aisles, and I would poke my jacket open just a little bit so that people could see. And every once in a while, I'd meet people in the aisle and they'd be, oh, I'm like, that's my daughter right there. That's my little one. I held her close to me. And I thought, as long as this little girl is right next to me, there is nothing that can harm her. Two weeks later, exactly nine years ago to today, I got a phone call at 6.30 in the morning. I was, I was staying in, uh, in Bethany, Missouri at the time, but Jamie had taken uh, our little baby, Summer, and our daughter, Autumn, and she had come and spent some time at Jerry and Sherry's house. And it was 6.30 in the morning, and I saw it was my wife that was calling, and immediately I knew something was wrong because <laughs> my wife would not get up at 6.30 just to call me. She loves me, but 6.30 is a little bit before her time span. But she called me, and I answered the phone, and the first thing she said is, Summer is not breathing. I felt like I'd just been punched in the stomach. After I hung up with, on the phone with her, I told her I'd, get, I'd hit the road right away. And uh, I, As I was getting dressed and I got into my car, I called my mom uh, up in Minnesota. I called her. I said, hey, start praying because Summer's not breathing, and I'm heading down, and stuff like that. And she said, you can't make that trip alone. You got to call your friend, Tony. I was like, okay. So I called my buddy, Tony. I said, hey, can you give me a ride? He said, yeah. So I went, got in his truck. We started heading down to Parsons. On the way, I was calling every single person in my phone book, telling them, please pray pray for my, my daughter. As we got around 
Kansas City. We were going around Kansas City, and I got a phone call from my wife. And I answered it, and she said, the doctors have tried to stop trying to resuscitate Summer. She's gone. I hung up the phone, and I threw the phone against the dash of that truck. I was so angry. I just wept. The next three hours felt like three days. We finally made it to Parsons. As I got to the front door, my wife met me, and I finally had the chance to hug her. We held each other. Since the next few days after that were a blur, as we prepared for the funeral, we went through the motions of going through the funeral and burying our daughter. For the first few weeks after Summer's death, we felt numb. We got through the days on chocolate and peanut M&M's. Some days we still have those days. And in the middle of our grief, in the middle of those difficult times, there's a lot of questions that came through our minds. Questions that said, God, where were you when we needed you the most? Where were you when our daughter was trying to get her breath? See, these questions that we have, that when when times get tough and we face these trials, these are the questions that shake us to our core. And the question comes back, God, where were you? thing is, these questions were ones that happened even in Bible times. See, David, we're going to focus on David today. He wrote a psalm that really eclipses this. David is considered a man after God's own heart. And there are times in David's life where he's asking, God, where are you? How long do I have to struggle with what's going on in my life? This psalm that Kara read for us, I'm going to read again. As I do that, I want to to kind of lay some groundwork about what may have been going on in David's life. Because I think we need to understand the background in order to understand why David responded this way. And so the first thing that we see in David's life, and I'm just going to do a quick little run-through of kind of what was going on in David's life. He was born, he he became a shepherd, right? That's the first thing we see. He's a shepherd, and one of the things that we know, because it says in scriptures, is that there was a time where he encountered a lion and a bear, right, while tending sheep, and he was able to fight them off. Then, later on, we see that he is anointed by Samuel to be king, right? He's anointed at some point after that to be king. Then he goes and he works for King Saul as a musician. So things are going great for him. Then he kills Goliath, right? We all know about that. Kills Goliath. 
So things keep looking up for him. He then marries, a couple years later, marries King Saul's youngest daughter, Michael. And things are awesome. On the way to the throne, everything is going the way that he thinks they're supposed to go. And, and things are perfect for him, right? How many would like the, like the life that David is living right now, right? Like, this is awesome. But then all of a sudden, things start to change a little bit. He starts getting notoriety, and Saul becomes jealous. King becomes jealous of David. And so King starts, the King Saul starts devising ways to kill David, to get him out of the picture, because David's getting all of this love and all this notoriety. So all of a sudden, David starts running for his life. He starts running because Saul declares that David is an enemy and a fugitive. And so David, at around age 22, 23-ish, is off running for his life. We're not exactly sure when David wrote Psalm 13. It could have been right now, but it could have been later on in his life. But he's at a point where he is running for his life. He knows that he's supposed to be king, and yet things aren't quite working out the way that he thought they should. We get to this psalm, and I, I, I truly believe he wrote this right about that, somewhere in that time. He starts to begin, begin to wonder, where are you, God? Psalm 13. It says, How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. The first four verses in this chapter, he asks how long? Four times. First two verses, four times he asks how long? God, how long am I going to have to live like this? How long am I going to have to be running from King Saul for my life? How long am I going to have to endure all of this stuff? This sounds like a car ride from my house to my in-laws, right? How much longer till we're there, right? Anybody that's had, ever had kids has had to face that. And after the first three hours, I was starting to think, how long, God, until we get there, right? But David, here, he's been promised, he's been anointed, he's going to be king someday, but now... He's on the run, and he doesn't become king until age 30. So he's out running, trying to save his life for years. Not for three hours. He's out on the lamb, running from the law. I think at that point, I don't care who you are, you'd start asking God how long. Right? You start questioning, God, are you with me? 
Where are you? But the thing is, David comes back, and even though those questions may have welled up at first, there's something deep down in him, and it calms him. See, David comes here, and he starts to question that God is with him. But then there, I believe that there's a pause there. So if we, you take this, this chapter, and you take a pause right after chapter 4. I believe there's a pause between chapter, uh, verse 4 and verse 5. For the first four verses, David's questioning, God, where are you? How long do I have to deal with this? And then all of a sudden, verse 5, it's like a completely different direction. He says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. See, a lot of times when we face difficult times and things that we don't expect, all we can focus on are all the bad things that are going on. Right? All we can focus on are the things that aren't going the way that they're supposed to go. See, and I think David started out this psalm by doing that, like looking, God, what's going on here? This is not the way it's supposed to go. But then he comes back. He does something amazing here. He spends, after spending the first four verses doing that, he takes the last two verses and he takes a step back from his current circumstances. And he reminds himself, that God's been faithful to him before and will be faithful again. That God was with him before and will be with him still. See, maybe David took a step back and thought, when I was tending sheep, God was with me, protecting me from the lion and the bear. Or maybe he thought about When I was facing Goliath, God was with me. See, that mindset allows us to change our tune, right? When things aren't going the way we want, sometimes we just need to stop, take a step back, and think about all the things that God has done for us in our lives. That's how David can finish his prayer by saying but I trust in your unfailing love my heart rejoices in your salvation I'll sing the Lord's praise for he's been good to me I read this chapter completely different after summer passed I remember one night I was flipping through Psalms and um, I'm not the greatest reader And so I was looking for a short psalm. This one's six verses. Great. And I read it, and it hit me differently. I had just lost my daughter, and I looked at how David handled difficult situations. See, that psalm means so much to me. 
because it reminded me that I have to stop looking at the circumstance that's right in front of me, take a step back, and look at all the things that God's done for me. And when I did that, I started remembering that God's been with us, Jamie and myself, from even before we got married. See, growing up, Jamie, uh, she grew up out at Jerry and Sherry's farm, which tons of land, has a beautiful little area that they call uh, bottomland. It's a valley surrounded by trees. And growing up, she always said, you know, when I, when I get married, we're going to get married on this land. Well, then when we met and I proposed, she said, hey, we're going we're gonna to get married on that land. And I was like, okay. Well, better be a nice day because we definitely uh, need good weather. So every single night, Jamie and I, we'd call each other up and we'd pray together for good weather and, and uh, the opportunity to get married on bottomland. Well, the spring of 2007 was not a dry spring. It was wet. And a week before the wedding, uh, we went down to the land that we were supposed to get married on, and there was an inch of standing water down on the land that we were supposed to get married. And so we went back up, we're heading back up to the farm, to the, to the house, and Jerry met us, and Jerry's, he's just like, you might as well call everybody and tell them to go to the church because there's no way that you're going to be able to have your service down there. Well, Jamie and I both are very stubborn. And so we're like, well, we can wait a few days. And he goes, it's not going to work. But we said, oh, you can wait. We can wait. We'll make that call in a couple of days. You know, we don't have a lot of people coming to the, to the wedding, so it's fine. And so we, we waited a couple of days, and it started to dry, and started to look better, and all of a sudden we're like, oh, yeah, this, this could actually happen. We kept praying. And then two days before the wedding, the storm is coming through, right? And it's got tornadoes, it's got thunderstorms. I mean, this thing is nasty. And it's heading towards the farm. All of a sudden, right before it gets to the farm, it splits up and completely spares the farm's land, which is absolutely awesome. So, you know, June 9, 2007 comes, and we are allowed to get married on Bottomland. Two days after we got married, another storm came through, broke a dam up river, and Bottomland was flooded. When we got back from our honeymoon, it was under six feet of water, the same place we got married. You see, when I was in the middle of asking, God, where are you? That's all I had to do is step back. Think about God's faithfulness before and how he was with us before and remind myself, he's with me now. He was with us when we got married And he was with us when our daughter passed away. About a month after summer passed, I was at a youth conference with 
I was doing youth ministry at the time, full-time youth ministry, and I was at a youth conference. And um, the youth conference had just gotten over, and we were heading back to Bethany. And uh, I got into a bus and sat beside a guy. And uh, the guy, you know, kind of st- we started talking. And he asked me, he goes, how, how are things been going with you and, and Jamie? And I said, well, it's, you know, it's been a month. It's been a struggle. It's been really difficult for us, but, you know, we're making it through it. And he said, well... My wife and I, we, uh, a while back, we had a child that was born stillborn. And he said that we really struggled. And he goes, one of the things that I struggled with was that we never named our child. So he said for the longest time he struggled with how would he know what his child's name is in heaven when he gets there. And he goes, I I just struggled with that for a while. And um, he said one day he got up and he was doing some work. And he said, while I was doing some work, this name kept going through my head, Timothy James. His name kept going over and over, and he couldn't figure out who Timothy James was. And he said, it went on for a couple days in a row, and finally he kind of got sick of it. And before he went to bed one night, he goes, he, he, he said, I prayed that God would tell me who Timothy James was. And that night, he had a dream, and in his dream, God came to him and said, Timothy James is the name of your son. That's how you'll know who he is in heaven. Well, I'm kind of, uh, that's a cool story, and I kind of nodded my head, but I'm one of those guys that I'm like, okay, a little skeptical, but that's kind of a cool story. But I was like, hey, I'm going to go home. And so I got, I got home, and I shared that story with Jamie, and we started talking about it, and we, we started talking, well, what do you think summer is going to look like, our daughter is going to look like in heaven when we get there? Like, what's she physically going to look like? Will she be a baby yet? Will she be as old as she would be in human years? Or, you know, what's she going to look like? Well, we, we struggled with that for a little. We talked about it for a little while. And um, we went to bed. I didn't think too much of it. And a few days later, I, I was at church and I was getting ready for youth ministry. It was a Wednesday and... Um, our lead pastor came in and, and uh, came into my office, and I said, "Hey, uh, I gotta ask you a question." I said, "What do you think summer's gonna look like in heaven?" And he goes, "Oh no, no, no! I'm not answering that question because no pastor wants to answer that question, right, Jim? Nobody wants to answer that question." But he goes, "But there is a book by Randy Alcorn called Heaven." And in there, Randy takes, like, some scriptures. He tries to dissect it and try and figure out what heaven's going to be like and stuff like that. I was like, all right, so what did it say? He goes, well, in that book, he goes, Randy Elkhorn kind of makes it seem like in heaven we're all kind of our optimum physical age so that we can do physically what we're, you know, at our best capabilities able to do here on earth. I was like, oh, that's interesting, but like I said, a little skeptical about basically everything. But I was like, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's an interesting way to look at it. So a couple hours later, um, my wife gets in, and Autumn, and she comes into my office, and I said, hey, I talked to the lead pastor about this, and I asked him, and I said, he, he didn't want to answer it, but I said, there's a book by Randy Alcorn called Heaven, and uh, I told her what it said, and as soon as I said... Uh, optimum age, you know, between ages 20 and 30, typically. She, like, she looked at me like I was crazy. I was like, what? 
And she said, well, that night that you came home, you told me about that other guy's story. She goes, we went to bed that night and I prayed that God would show me what summer looks like in heaven. And she goes, that night I had a dream. And in my dream, there's a girl came up to me, tapped me on the shoulder and said, hi, mom. I said, why didn't you tell me? And she goes, because she was 20 years old and I thought you'd think I was crazy. Fast forward three years from then. Uh, my wife and I, Emery had just been born. She's five now. And we got pregnant. Uh, unexpectedly got pregnant. And um, we're about eight, nine months, or nine weeks along, something like that. And we had a miscarriage. And we talked about, was it a boy or was it a girl? And when we, uh, one night before bed, we went, we went going to bed and Jamie again prays that God will show her. And that night she had a dream. And in her dream, Summer comes up to her. Says, Mom, I want to introduce you to your son. And standing beside Summer was a boy about 20 years old. I have a son. And I truly believe I do, and he's waiting for me in heaven. But no matter what the circumstance or situation... We needed to be reminded that God was with us in the midst of our tragedy, in the midst of our trial. And God came to Jamie in a dream and said, I am with you. I heard your prayer. I heard your plea. And I am with you now. Not a month ago, not two months ago, not a month from now. I am with you now. You see, there are times where it feels like God is so far away, but the reality of it is, He's not. He is right there. He is with you. Whatever circumstance you're going through right now, and you might be going through something horrible. You might be going through some cancer. You might be going uh, through something with a, a loved one. Whatever it is, God is with you now. And there are times where we can't see God, we can't feel God, we can't hear God, but it doesn't mean He's not there. He's shown me over and over and over again in my life that He has not left me and He's not planning to because He loves me too much to leave me. 
As I close, I want to leave you with this this one thought, this illustration that I came across a little while ago, and I thought back to when I was a kid. And it hits home really hard. When I was growing up, I was not a good student. I'm still not a good student. But when I was a little kid, I was growing up, and I wasn't a very good student. And test days were the worst for me. But we had one teacher in particular, and he's kind of a gruff guy, and he would hand out the test to you, and then he'd go and he'd stand in the back of the room. And he wouldn't say anything, you couldn't see him, but you knew he was in the back of the room. You knew he never left the room. And we'd sit there and we'd take these tests. See, a lot of times... When we face tests in this world, we face trials. We may not hear God, we may not feel God, but God has never left the room. God is always with us. Because he's a good, good father, and a good father doesn't leave us when we need him the most. So the next time you go through a trial and something goes wrong in your life, don't think that God's abandoned you because he's right there. He's with you. And he wants you to speak to him. He wants you to pray to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come here and I don't know what's going on in everybody else's life, but you do. I don't know how they feel about you, whether they just are getting to know you or whether they've known you for years and years. But no matter what the situation, you're with us. And Lord, I pray that as we go through the circumstances in our lives, Lord, that you will reveal to us in so many different ways how you have been with us from the time that we were born to the time that we die and for eternity after that. Or that your goal is to be with us all the time. Lord, allow us to see that. Allow us to feel that. And to never question who you are or where you are. Because we know deep down that you're with us. Lord, bless us today and remind us every day of your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Ryan. Tragedy has a way of helping us figure out what our first impulses are. It has a way of, of uh, revealing to us if we run from God or if we run to God in the midst of that. And when, um, when we were in that emergency room together that morning and Ryan comes in the room, one of the first things he says to me is, you got a Bible? I need some scripture. First reflex. You can tell where his heart wanted to be and what he needed to hear first was a word from the Lord it's sweet to trust in Jesus but it's hard isn't it but the more you do it the sweeter it gets 
So let's sing about this, trusting in Jesus. Hello. Um, have you ever uh, made a speech to give at communion and then you walk in and you're like, hmm. Um, that's just not going to work out today. <laughs> I know um, you sort of expect me to be funny and I hate to disappoint. I mean, I had a really funny story about going to the dentist and it, I was going to relate it to spiritual things and it was it was beautiful and it was hilarious, but... Um, just got to church, sat down, and uh, Ryan started talking, and I was like, no. Um, thank you, Ryan. Um, I sincerely um, thank you for sharing. Um, uh, sometimes it is really hard to remember all the times that he's been with you, um, and all the things that he is willing to go through you with and to do for you and to do with you, um, it seems like at the very first sign of struggle, we just forget all the times that he's been there. And um, I really needed to hear that today, so thank you. Um, I pray that as we go through this week or this year or whatever it is that comes up that we remember um, the times that he's been there. And especially as we take communion, that we remember how far he would go. Um, the bread represents his body that he literally gave up for us and that was broken. Um, and the cup is his blood. So um, the next time that we, uh, we think maybe he won't be there and he won't go far enough, uh, let's remember exactly how far he he did go for us. Um, shall we pray? Uh, gracious Father, thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Uh, thank you for bringing us together to to be encouraged from your word today. Um, thank you for all that you've done for us and uh, how far you would go. Uh, we thank you for for laying down your life for us um, so that we could be forgiven of our sins and that you could be there with us um, no matter what comes. Uh, we pray that you would go with us this week, um, this month, this year, uh, through whatever comes up, and uh, may this time just serve as a reminder of... Uh, of how near you are to us. And these things I ask in your name. Amen.